Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. Welcome back, Chelsea fans. Uh, yes, maybe a little bit of a surprise for all of you that we are back in your podcast feeds. Even though the season's gone, there's still plenty to talk about, Nick, uh, especially this weekend. You know, from a Chelsea standpoint, there there was the, the championship playoff match between Villa and Fulham. Quite a few Chelsea ties in this one, actually, wasn't there? Absolutely. Uh, between John Terry on the Villa side and uh, you have uh, Piazon, who... Uh, Unfortunately, didn't see minutes. You have Thomas Callas. Uh, it was a it was a big weekend. And I think we all have to extend congratulations to Fulham uh, for earning promotion to the Premier League. I know that Dan, we went there uh, for a uh, for a random Tuesday match against Leeds uh, when we were in London in April, and it was a fantastic experience. It was a great time, and I, I think it will make for a wonderful uh, derby between uh, Fulham and Chelsea next season. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to, I don't know, maybe that could be the first uh, away game that we actually take in. They have admitted to making sure big teams stay away from each other at the beginning and the end of the season already. Uh, so I don't know, Mike, we'll, we'll have to see. I know Marco uh, on Twitter has even said he's looking forward to, um, you know, the, those Fulham Broadway derbies and and obviously you know as as we've been to London a couple times our friend the proprietor of Lily Tandori uh, massive Fulham fan <laughs> we'll have to go back and uh, have some curry with him and, and talk about Premier League action this next uh, this next upcoming season yeah I mean <clears throat> it's great to have him back uh, curse of Michael Jackson is broken and um, <laughs> you know I, th- uh, I think all man. Americans like to see Fulham back up you know Good old days at Clint Dempsey. Poor John Terry, though. Damn, real, real, real heartbreak. And I, I don't Got know it. if you saw on our Twitter account this weekend, but some Spurs podcast was trying to take make fun of like the tears of John Terry, and uh, we we had to go off a little bit on that because you know 
uh, he has shed more tears than they have had trophies. So I, I just don't understand where you can get away trying to make that uh, that salt happen. Yeah, it would be it would be like uh, I don't know. Pick, let's pick a, a random Celtic. Let's say Marcus Smart. Uh, it would be like Marcus Smart <laughs> oh going after LeBron for not being great enough. You know, and I, I just give me a fucking break, Spurs fans. God, yeah, game game, like, game seven is going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. When, yeah. When you don't have anything of your own to celebrate, you celebrate the misery of others, which we've also seen a lot of this weekend after Liverpool's shocking display of goalkeeping against Real Madrid in the Champions League. But again, another day, someone else's problems, not ours. Uh, <laughs> obviously, we are excited to report that we do have, Dan, even more iTunes reviews, which is crazy that we are on this big of a run. Almost 300, right? Yeah, almost the 300, the, the the number that we've kind of uh, been talking about for the past few weeks here. But we're up to 294 in the U.S. store. We're at 52 in the U.K. We've uh, crested over 20 in Canada, and uh, we're in double digits in Sweden now. It's like all this really cool momentum, and uh, we want to thank you for that. Uh, the ones that popped through this week, Al Namero, who's been listening for a long time. Thank you, BKC Dog 87. You're our dog, and then uh, Jack K. Thank you guys so much for dropping a little five star love in the iTunes store. And uh, you know, you if you're listening right now and you haven't done that yet, and you're listening to the podcast app through you know, through Apple, um, just, you know, take a moment and, and rate the podcast while you're listening. You don't even have to stop the show to do it, which is a really cool thing. And uh, then we'll give you a shout out on the next episode we do. We do actually want to give a couple shout outs to some SoundCloud people who have been listening big time this last month. Uh, Eddie Jacob, Kenny Chung, and GMZ123. Thank you all so much for listening on uh, the SoundCloud platform. But in case you guys aren't aware, this episode is the Keep Sell Loan one. We we started it, I think, last year. Uh, actually did it mid-season. No, two seasons ago. We did it yeah. when the Jose debacle just fell apart. And we didn't really feel like a lot of those Chelsea players deserved the Chelsea shirt. They weren't going out and putting their hearts out. And so we just said, who would we keep and who would we sell? And so now, in its third iteration, we are back. Going to be running through the first team players, not loanees or youth players. And, and just going to give our verdicts on who should stay at Chelsea, who should go out on loan, or who the club should sell. So before we get into all of that, as always, Nick, we do like to thank our gracious presenting sponsor, World Soccer Shop. That is correct, Brandon. Uh, World Soccer Shop, right now, if you go to the to the Chelsea club page, they have a bunch of sales going on, kind of your end of the season sale. Uh, the 17-18 kits, if you've been waiting to to get those, are now $59.99. So, a uh, pretty solid deal. And then you can take an additional 10% off with the code LONDONPOD. So, I uh, would encourage you, if you're if you're still thinking about that, or you're thinking about a, a brand new kit, uh, to just go to the World Soccer Shop, use our code, uh, let us know what you bought. We love seeing all the uh, fun customizations that people have uh, have done on their, on their kits. And... Uh, and yeah, uh, hit us up at London Blue Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I'll be doing that on Tuesday. I bought a pair of indoor shoes from them. They were on sale, and I added my code uh, and uh, got expedited shipping. It was great. Appreciate it. Anyways, I digress. Let's go ahead and jump into the most important position on the field. Again, as I reference Lorius Carius. Lorius Carius' horrific <clears throat> debut in the Champions League final last night. The goalkeepers, the the ones you love to hate, um, but are so important. No bias. So, anyways, uh, let's start with the number one jersey at Chelsea, Thibaut Courtois. 26-year-old goalkeeper. Um Dan, right, he's the number 13 jersey, by the by. I, number one on the team sheet, right? As far as like our number, our no, number one in, in the depth chart, I guess I should clarify. That's fair. Uh, no. Yeah, n- number one in the depth chart, number 13 on the back of his uh, his kit. You don't call it a uniform. That's it's how true. you could tell if you're a uh, Sokka fan instead. Sokka. Damn Americans. Sokka. Yeah, um, his assholes. Um, is, Dan, I really like what you did this season. Again, as we grow and iterate this, is we put polls on Twitter to actually kind of get some some listeners, some some fan feedback, and help guide this and see where we're at. So the first one, obviously, uh, was Courtois. What did the stats come in at? Well, seventy nine percent said they wanted to keep Courtois, and twenty one percent said let's sell him. 
So I I agree with the keep vote. Uh, you know, I, I know I put at the end of the script uh, for each section after we talk about some stats, the keep sell and loan and, and kind of our vote on it. But yeah, I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it. You, you keep a top goalkeeper uh, unless you want to be a liver LOL in the Champions League. Nick, it looks like as we kind of pull up some stats from Shim Courtois' last four seasons, he's now played back-to-back 36 games in the Premier League, which is, again, all but two uh, every season. Um, as far as clean sheets, 15 this season, but 37 goals conceded. Where, where do you stand on, on Tebow as returning since there's obviously he talks, which makes the fans restless? Uh, I don't know. Where, Barcelona, obviously probably the biggest blemish on his record this season. Yeah, and, and that was one that we, we talked about in real time when we were going through the, the Champions League podcasts in, in March. You know, you he kind of, I don't, I don't want to say he had a carious against Barcelona because now that's becoming a, a verb. Um, uh, and, and carious was, was bad, bad, yeah, bad, bad. Yeah, yeah. He, he, didn't, he, didn't allow, he didn't allow that level of bad, but certainly the first goal in the new Camp was pretty horrific, and... Uh, a guy, you know, who, you know, when you have a player of his caliber, when you have a top five goalkeeper in the world, you expect, you know, to have to make the opposition work to get a goal. And there have been times that, you know, this season, uh, due to our backline, you know, shifting and transitioning and his overall performance where he hasn't made the opposition work as hard as in previous seasons. And I don't think that's unfair to say. I mean, if you look at, uh, last season's statistics, he only conceded 28 goals. He had 16 clean sheets, which is only one more than this year. Uh, he had more saves last year. Uh, he actually had a we've, – we've talked about distribution here a lot. He actually had uh, a higher distribution accuracy this year, which is shocking. Um, but, yeah, he just – he didn't seem like he was uh, as on top of his game this year uh, as, as he was in previous years. And – that that worries me a little bit. Not not a ton. Not any more to make me say that I want to sell him. But um, I, I think when you look at the statistics, he could certainly have a better year next year and, and really put himself in position to be, you know, not top five but top two or three. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. I mean, the the crazy thing that stands out to me is that his catches have shot up in the last few years, which. His aerial, I think, um, presence has been scrutinized quite a bit. Same with De Gea when he came into the league as well. But the fact that his distribution actually, like Nick pointed out, went from 57% to 75% in two seasons shows that I think that everyone knows he knows their weak, his weaknesses and he's putting in the time to get better. So to me, 26 is young for a goalkeeper. If he's making this kind of progress in a very short amount of time, um, obviously, you guys know where my heart is. I think he's fantastic. We should keep him at all costs. But, you know, you are probably the most vocal critic, I think, of Courtois in our, in our podcast chats all season. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, when you look at that, that nine-goal difference conceded between last year and this year, I think that's easily, you know, you could say that's the difference between fourth place and fifth place. Um, and <clears throat> I do, I'm kind of in the position of I lo- when he's on his game, he's a fantastic player. Um, but I'm kind of the mindset of selling, you know, his heart's in Madrid and, and maybe the rest of his body should be there too. Um, <laughs> I, Whoa. Whoa. I, uh, no, I look, I, I think, I think what we've seen, um, in, in the, not Renaissance, but when you've seen like a Rudiger and, um, a Giroud this season, that's all heart and passion and putting it online for the club. And I think, unfortunately, um, that's not what I associate with Tebow. Hey, I guess, I mean, if you look at the way he, he celebrates a goal and you don't necessarily catch it on camera often because it's usually the goal scorer, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the guy generally comes out and is pretty passionate, is uh, you know quick to kind of talk about the, the accountability that he has to a situation, uh, has joined up with Eden and you know, requesting that the club sign uh, better players. Like, I, I generally think that we'd be foolish to sell him right now for, for two, for two reasons. One with 12 months remaining on his contract, we are going to get totally ripped off 
for whatever we sell him for, because you're going to have to immediately reinvest that into a quality keeper. And when you kind of think about the keepers that we might go after or people want us to go after, which are super unrealistic, but we'll go through them anyway. Oblock, you know, that's going to be over a hundred million. Um, Allison, probably close to 100 million. Uh, Keppa, who from Athletic Bilbao, he would be close to that 100 million, you know, million kind of range as well. Like, and, and you don't want Butlin as a starting goalkeeper. Like, I'm sorry, we do not we do want not. Jack Butlin as the starting goalkeeper. No. So the better thing to do is if at some point he is going to leave to go to Madrid, is to get him into another contract for the next, you know, uh, get him on a, a four or five year deal. So that way we, we have some opportunity to, when we actually negotiate an, you know, a transition for him, that it is beneficial to him. It is beneficial to the club. Um, and it is beneficial for our kind of future planning, because if we sell him right now, I will tell you, like we are absolutely screwed from a keeping standpoint next season. Like nope. I don't believe we will get any of these top keepers to come in and what Eden Hazard wants, and I think what all of us want, is top players at this club. Courtois is a top player. You sell, you sign him, and then if you want to sell him afterwards, do it when you know the club is going to actually make a fair return on it, not when we're staring down the barrel of 12 months under. And if we kind of, because the club, the club isn't going to do that. They will sell him if they can't get him on a new deal. And like with what we're going to see here with Belgium, like all these players are waiting till after the World Cup. to. So we're going to have a long period of time to go still before we got to actually know what's going on with him, with Mishi, with Eden, and uh, any of our other kind of Belgian players. I, I will point out one thing, and then I want to pass it to Brandon for the last word on this because this is his area of expertise. <clears throat> the economics of our total situation dictate that we keep rather than sell right as as a club right now like there, there will be auxiliary players that we sell off but like our main core talent it is almost impossible with some of the contracts that are on to get better and or to even find comparable for the amount of money that we would make off sales so like i just want to point that out especially in the goalkeeper market where there are so few options like just because we want Alisson or just because we want Oblak doesn't mean that Atletico Madrid or uh, or Roma want to sell them, right? So, like, I think we have to be really cautious on this one. Like, as hard as I can be on Courtois for some really lackluster performances, it you know, it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't a little bit. But we know that if we can uh, acquire the right talent and keep him happy, that at least we we have that, like, known quantity. And, and I want to throw that out there, even though his media appearances can sometimes trigger me a little bit. I, I would rather kind of have someone that's a known quantity than enter into a world where Jack Butlin is our, our number one, Brandon. Yeah, and this is probably a good point or a good time to point out the fact that as we played board of directors here, at the same time, we're kind of making some assumptions like, A, Chelsea will be able to re-sign him and like a Hazard to contracts because uh, Chelsea aren't going to pull an Arsenal and let Sanchez's deal uh, run down and then let him go on a free. So I guess that's probably something that we should clarify uh, in our in our you know makeup world here that we're playing in. Uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, w with Courtois, I think we've seen an amazing amount of progress out of him as a goalkeeper. Uh, I, I would point out that I know that people are throwing out $100 million around for goalkeepers, but look, Ederson came for 50 I think 50 is the new standard, unless you're like a, a De Gea looking to go to Real Madrid, they're going to have to pay way over the top. So um, we'll, we'll have to kind of see on that point. Like I said, I think he stays. Uh, he still has a lot of potential to go. And as long as we can get the right players around him, which, again, is a bigger picture thing for, for just Chelsea as a team, I think that he is a player that, that should be a part of the core to build off of, just like Petr Cech was for so long uh, just a few years ago. So so that's where I'm at. Uh, let us know, obviously, what you guys think on all these players. If you think we're crazy, uh, get in. Let us know. But, I mean, if you Let's keep the goalkeeper train rolling. Willie Caballero, FA Cup specialist, unfortunately, until you get to the final. Uh, but Dan, what were the voting results on the 36-year-old Argentine? Oh, the funny thing is more people would keep Willie Caballero and, and probably in the mindset that he is the backup to Courtois as the, you know, so 87% said keep him. 
and 12% said sell him and then somehow 1% said this. loan him but he's he's really he's he's on a one year deal and uh, the, the the caveat is i i did think about putting in like a replace or release option but i think it was going to be too confusing cuz i don't think people necessarily always know like the contract length of, yeah. of certain players but yeah we're we're not going to loan Willie Caballero um but it could be an opportunity to you know upgrade you know i, I think the club does have to keep an eye open for you know, anyone that becomes available or, you know, would be available on a, you know, cheap contract, you know, because, uh, you know, he, he is a little bit older. Um, I mean, he is potentially going to have the opportunity to be uh, Argentina's goalkeeper in the World Cup due to some some injury scenario here. So I don't know, uh, Nick, but this is a really interesting one to me because I think he performed admirably when called upon. Uh, uh, definitely has some uh, definitely has some talented elements with close range shot stopping, but has some really poor just general kind of keeping habits. Yeah, some of some of the uh, in air decision making is uh, whew, a little scary. Uh, he is a penalty specialist, though. It's always nice to have one of those on your roster. Um, a guy who I think uh, reflex-wise still has it uh, for whatever, uh, however much that means to you as a as a fan. But uh, as a number two and a guy that we got on a free, I mean, I I don't know how much I don't know how much more we can expect from the guy. Like he's he's stood up admirably uh, when Courtois was injured and or off form. Uh, I thought that. The FA Cup run was a really good break for Tebow this year and, and gave Willie the chance to play and shine um, yeah. in certain aspects. And look, I, if, you're, if you're telling me that we can get a better number two, um, uh, fair enough. But why? I don't, I don't know why you'd spend money on a better number two when we could be strengthening other points of the squad, Mike. Yeah. I, I would agree. He he's punched his way into my heart this season, and I think if anybody's <laughs> if, if anybody's earned you know a one year contract, uh, I would give it to Willie. Um, you know, and you know the other options. If you guys have been looking at social media, uh, Jeremy Clarkson has uh, tweeted a picture of himself, so he's available to Liverpool or potentially, you know, as a number two for us. Hmm. So yeah, athleticism one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no, there's not a lot of time to be spent on a number two. I just, uh, he, he's done well enough, thankfully. But I think this just goes to show you uh, when he played at City, how much better he was. And then all of a sudden at Chelsea, you don't get the games. You know, only three Premier League appearances, an, an FA Cup run. Uh, you can definitely tell when, when the, when he hasn't played in a while. It's rocky starts for sure. But like, like you said, he's done enough. So there's no reason to really rock the boat too hard on this one. Uh, especially when you look at our third goalkeeper, Eduardo, on the roster, who's actually a year younger than Bravo, but or I'm sorry, not Claudio Bravo. Yikes, we don't want him on the roster. Um, yeah, we don't want the hologram keeper in, uh, in our goal. That's a bad idea. <laughs> um, with Eduardo, but significantly less first-team experience. So uh, 45% keep, 45% sell. And again, a 10% loan. Clearly, we're just getting some some trolling on this, uh, Nick. But from an Eduardo standpoint, are you fine having two older, experienced, and inexperienced goalkeepers on the roster? Or is that an area you want to freshen up? I want to freshen it up. I, I think that Eduardo is probably going to make his way into coaching sooner rather than later, which is great. And I think that you know that's a really nice transition uh, for some of our um, older and 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 less likely to get, uh, to get first team appearances types of players. So uh, I would transition Eduardo into a goalkeeper coach, um, let him get his badges done, and then bring up a, a youth talent to uh, to fulfill that third spot. Maybe even bring back Jamal Blackman or someone. Um, I think that's probably the best best path forward, Dan. I, I agree. I think we need to find a way to round out that position and make it uh, developmental in a sense. And I mean, I think that's even where, you know, you could alternate between like a Willie or someone else and give them a, a shot or an opportunity to grow and progress. But yeah, I think Eduardo is, uh, you know, I think Jake Cohen has been on the show before and talked about the fact that Eduardo is kind of one of those good clubhouse individuals to have around that he's a very positive uh, individual that he adds a lot of chemistry and camaraderie to the team, but from a impact standpoint on the pitch, uh, he has not played a single minute of Premier League football since we signed him, which is a great thing because that means we haven't had to use our third choice emergency goalkeeper. Uh, but it also in the 
potential realm of if you know Courtois was to be injured, you know, do you want Eduardo as your backup keeper? And I think the answer that we would all say is no. So let's go find someone else out there and let's kind of just release Eduardo or let him progress in the coaching, whatever is next for him in his career. I thought he was going to get on when Caballero got absolutely trucked. And I know, I at know. the top of his box <laughs> at the end of the season, but he didn't. So fair play to that. All right, well, that's our goalkeeping contingent. So obviously, as a quick review, we would like to mostly keep Courtois. Uh, Caballero is fine. And then and then from a, from a third goalkeeper spot, we'd like to freshen that up. With no uh, personal no. intentions against Eduardo. No, no, no better, no better endorsement of a player than he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, we have some more excitement with our back line. So uh, from a defender standpoint, just you guys know, obviously with the center backs and wing backs, that's kind of how we're running this part. Uh, and Tony Rudiger, someone who has absolutely grabbed the fans' hearts with his passion, relentless running, and even leadership qualities that we are impressed that we've got a uh, 25 year old german just tank of a center back also the fastest what, what do we say one of the fastest players in the premier league with his 40 top, time top four in speed yeah Jeez. he's he is That's a crazy he is a unit man he is an absolute unit and the way that the it broke down 99 percent keep 1% loan, which clearly must have just been a, a computing error. It was like same, a hanging, hanging Chad in that moment. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I mean, you talk about someone who's going to potentially uh, give us um, some length. It's a benefit of being potentially, you know, Giroux excluded from an attacking standpoint um, because he obviously helped kind of move us forward in the FA Cup with his signing. I, I think Rudiger ends up being the best signing of this season with the way that he was able to contribute, the way that he's kind of integrated himself into the team sheet. And but, Dan, but Dan, we have Ross Barkley. I don't know how you could say that. Oh, a screw, screw off, man. Like that. Uh, that clearly, we know where the 1% came from now. Um, Trolling so, my own podcast. That's what I know. I like it's great. Do. But yeah, you know, Rudiger, uh, you know, not only does he know how to defend, but he also is a great distributor of the ball. And if we think about the uh, asterisks, because it hasn't been announced yet, if Sari ends up being the manager, this is someone who is a ball playing, um, either center back or left slash or right back, because he can kind of do it all. He is going to benefit from that move to a 4-3-3 if that does end up being the case. And I am super, super excited for that. All right. Well, again, I don't think we have too much to really elaborate on Rudiger, but Mike, I do want to at least give you the opportunity. Yeah, I, I would say a definitely signing of the season. Um, my favorite player from this year. And I think, you know, if we're looking in the future, worthy of wearing the captain's armband. Uh, I love Dave, but um, Rudy's captured me in a way that I think even, I think his, his uh, passion at times even steps up Dave, so just fantastic I, signing yeah the only the only uh thing i would say about rudiger is he, he clearly came on towards the end of the year um you know when cahill was was struggling in a, in a couple of moments and i think has played both the right side center back and the left side center back role um i think i would like to see more consistency from him uh, as it pertains to set pieces next year, uh, that would be kind of an area that I would target because he is so strong and tall and has such a great leaping ability that we've seen on a couple of occasions that he really has a chance to either kind of flick the ball with his head into the middle of the box for another player to attack or, or really attack the ball himself. Yeah. I know he's on a striker and I'm not holding him to a, a goal tally, but I think he can be a bigger influence in that area. He certainly can lock down Mo Salah, so... You know, we have we kind of have our stopper there, but I uh, want to see him influence the game moving forward, too. And um, I, th I think he will next year for sure. Yeah. You know, almost 2,300 minutes played uh, 27 games in the Premier League. And the guy only had one defensive error all season, which I think is is says a lot about him. Uh, obviously, Rudiger coming off an ACL injury in the 15-16 season, which isn't that long ago. Uh, but he's really, really bounced back and uh, shown himself to be a very consistent, reliable defender. So, again, um, unanimous keep on Rudy. Next one up we do have is the one Marcos Alonso. He runs for me. He runs for me. 27-year-old Spanish defender missing out on the World Cup. So, he'll have some time to relax this summer instead 
Nick, what were the votes on a sometimes, no, 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 pretty, pretty consistently divisive player for Chelsea? I think it's crazy that he's a divisive player. And yeah. like, no, no fault against my man, Alex Goldberg, who we had on a couple of weeks ago, who is anti-Alonzo as, as it gets. Uh, I think he's a fantastic player, a guy that we did not know anything about uh, when we signed him uh, from Fiorentina. Uh, has proven himself time after time after time. Uh, 81% keep, 18% sell, 1% loan. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that uh, the formation in which we played in will, will have an impact on on what his career trajectory is at, at Chelsea. But man, uh, if you want to talk about a guy who comes in clutch with goals, uh, who is who's not willing to, to shirk off a tackle, uh, like he is, he is a fantastic uh, addition to the squad, and a guy who, you know, up until uh, one point of the the season, could have been a player of the year candidate. Yeah, I I agree with everything you said, and I think that's why we should sell high. I think that the challenge is is that Marcus Alonso, while being a great left wing back would probably struggle being a left back. So again, like I, I am operating under a mentality like that. We are so close to signing sorry outside of, you know, putting together, you know, whatever his compensation package is and, and haggling down the last little peanuts of the deal is I don't necessarily feel like as a left back and as a true defender that he's going to have the same value, nor do I think you should move him up into the midfield three. So that kind of puts him in a position where, even though he's done really well for Chelsea, even though he's contributed with goals, he you know clearly cares and plays extremely, extremely well in most of his appearances, has been a marathon man. I mean, in the, the three seasons you know, that he's played, he's played uh, you know 31 games for Fontina, 31 games for Chelsea, 33 games for uh, Chelsea this season, and has played you know anywhere between about 2,400 minutes to 2,700 minutes. Yeah, he he's a contributor, but he also gets you know doesn't have necessarily the speed. And if we're talking about wanting to add pace, wanting to add some more kind of clinicality to the the game that we have, Mike, I, I think he's an opportunity to sell a little bit higher, bring in someone like maybe a, a Jay De Silva who had a really really talented loan, um, kind of more reminiscent of like an Ashley Cole left back, and then try to maybe elevate like an Emerson or you know maybe Rudiger plays in that left back position. I don't know, but I. I think there's an opportunity to sell here and then reinvest that into somewhere else in the squad. Yeah, I, I think this is going to take a lot of, um, you know, trying to separate your heart from your mind um, to try and make what's best for the club. Um, <clears throat> you know, personally, I would rather keep him over Fabregas, um, but obviously not the same position. Uh, you know, I'd even be willing to say I'd rather see him in the center of the field in the middle of that three-man midfield than Fabregas if we're talking about slow running, but um, yeah, I think I think it's really uh, you know it's it really comes down to formations, and um, I love the guy, and I will be sad to see him go, especially if it's just you know over wingbacks. But the uh, the follow up to Cool Runnings, Slow Runnings, it's the <laughs> Spanish bobsled team featuring <laughs> Fabregas, Alonso, and pick another player. I feel like that's going to be a Photoshop. <laughs> I can already see it. I'm working on it. <laughs> Well, like you said, I mean, he does have some specialties with this free kick, I'd say specifically. Um, yep. But it, a lot of this is going to come down to formation. Uh, we also haven't really seen how flexible he can be positionally. So I know we've on this podcast have thrown out some ideas of pushing him up. We'll, we'll have to see. So, um, but yeah, definitely pretty interesting to see what happens with Alonzo this season, uh, even though most of the people looks like they really want to keep him. Uh, on the other flank, we do have Victor Moses, uh, 27 years old. Um, probably not as big of a, of a season this year as he did last. Also had a few more injuries this season. Uh, Mike, a lot closer on the keep sell with Victor Moses. Probably the closest we've had so far, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at a 51-49% split. Um, oh, 46, sorry. And a 3% loan. Um, I think it's definitely... Like you said, huge impact player. Um, but when you're looking overall, is this an area where we can upgrade? And especially if we get away from wingbacks, um, do we see Moses next year? And 
I don't think we do personally. And, and to clarify, that's 51% keep just edging it. Nick yeah. uh, obviously is a vocal supporter and probably just super fan of Moses, understandably. I mean, with his story and just how much you know work this guy's put into it, um, it, it it's kind of going to be an area I feel like Chelsea really going to look at on that right flank. You know, Aspie, does he move back out if we go to four-back set? Um, can Moses transition back to an attacking player? Where do you think you know Moses will be at the beginning of next season? Yeah, I feel like formation is going to hurt Vic the most. He's a guy that I love. Um, if you look at his stats, though, not great for him. Uh, he had 41 interceptions last year to 15 this year. Uh, you know, we're looking at blocks, clearances all down, tackles one down, tackles lost down, which is good, pass completion down. Um, you know, a guy who. Followed up at a tremendous 16-17 season with uh, with just uh, kind of an o- underwhelming season as the rest of our pack line had. Um, I I love Victor Moses and a guy who I've been rooting for since we signed him in 2012. Um, I I think the the formation could make him a casualty or or more more expendable than anyone else in the squad because he isn't a full attacker anymore and he's not a full defender. Um, I personally would look to add a right back because I don't think that Dave has the speed necessarily to, to occupy that right back anymore. Um, so that's going to be an interesting thing for him. But uh, Vic is a guy who's a tremendous team player. Uh, I cannot say enough good things about. I just don't I don't know if he's going to have a, a future at Chelsea if the formation changes. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. I would say that you know again, I think you you've hit all the points. Nick is that he probably is a casualty of formation, and in that regard, I mean, we, if we're gonna spend on a couple of significant players this season, you know, we you know, look he you know qualifies as a homegrown player he uh, you know is academy trained you know that alone adds millions to the price that we can request from him and there are teams playing a style of football that would probably look to add him to their squad so i i do think if the right offer came through that he would be someone that the club would look to uh look to move on from so uh yeah if the right offer came in i would sell him uh otherwise i mean you know it's not bad to have good kind of squad slash rotation players i just don't think he's going to be uh first name on the team sheet next season and you know i think the club and the manager you know new manager appointment have to be honest with the team and help them make a decision too because you know we need great chemistry and unity this coming season and we don't need people being kind of uh, divisive in you know how they feel about their playing time all right next one up obviously uh new to the club probably less exciting uh for most fans unfortunately is davide zapacosta another deadline day signing from italy uh, you know, was billed essentially as a versatile left or right wing back, uh, fantastic crossing capabilities, uh, and f- didn't really translate to the Premier League. You know, look, first season, you know, he's not the only one that struggled like Marat and some other people that we can talk about. Uh, but as it breaks down, 35% want to keep, 61% are looking to sell, and 4% loan. I mean, he's only 25 um, you know, he came in specifically to, I think, play as an outside back and try to challenge Alonzo and Moses. And that j- it just didn't come off like that, Nick. He immediately went to the bench, uh, immediately waited till we played Carabag to really get any kind of minutes, scored a, 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 a wonder cross, we'll call it, um, but just never <laughs> really kind of kicked on from there and, and always was a, a bit part player this season. Yeah, I don't. I don't take it lightly to sell someone after their first season, but I think I think this is a, a case where it's pretty obvious to me that he's. It's not. It's not as if he couldn't play in the Premier League. I just don't think he's a Chelsea caliber player, and um, he he would be a guy that I would uh, move on from and, and clear space for either a Dujon Sterling type player from from the academy or or find a, a full right back. Um, you know, so, someone who. Uh, can really attack and and also defend. He his defensive capabilities are are not very good. So he he's a guy who is very formation dependent as well, and who's someone that uh, that Dan and I would move on from. 
Yeah, and and I want to caveat the fact that like we're we still again are operating under the the thought that like we go to a four back set based upon the rumors. With you know, I think in a you know if we did keep a three back set, I, I still don't believe that we would want to keep Zappacosta. I, I think he's holding space for progressing a player like Sterling uh, potentially forward from the academy to the first team, and I think there's going to be a pretty big shift this season with this summer in reducing down the amount of average squad players we have that are holding up spaces for really talented youth players and uh yeah so uh sell them make yeah. you know try to reclaim as much on it as possible and move forward yeah i mean hopefully mike we can just activate that um what seems to be a magical once you play a season in the premier league like jilaboji you can immediately ask for an extra 15 million yeah exactly i mean we'll always have baku but um I'll be sad to see him go because I wanted him to do well, but I, I do think I do agree. I would much rather see a young, youthful player step up into that role. The Luigi meme dies after the season, apparently. So, all right. Well, here is a good one that we will get into. Uh, is Gary Cahill, the captain of the team, thirty-two year old, headed to the World Cup? Dan, again, pretty tight margins here on the votes understandably yeah i mean look you know, he had a really terrible first half of the season and managed to restore some balance at the second half of it and it seems like you know conte was more comfortable with him than christensen for the remaining couple games of the season ended up as 55 percent keep 45 percent sell zero percent loan so nick thank forgot you to for vote you smartly and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nick, nick gave up halfway through in the voting process he figured he was going to talk about it on the podcast but uh, I think this is one of those candidates where if someone came in with an offer um, for Gary Cahill, I think we would be stupid not to accept it and to kind of move forward. I mean, Gary Cahill is, you know, kind of heading into, you know, the, the twilight of his career, as it were, which is a terrible thing to say about someone who's, you know, one year younger than me. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, thankfully, you know, my, oh, yeah. my work career can go a longer period of time in my field versus uh, Gary and his. Um, yeah, I think if there was a good offer, it would be an opportunity to move forward. We're going to have uh, some competition internally for those spots. Um, and I, I do think he would be reduced down to. Uh, a rotation or squad, which in that case, you know, it, it's not a bad thing, but I, I really want to see us kind of get away from this habit of holding places for kind of, you know, rotational or older players and really start to freshen up the side. And I think he's a candidate on a, if the offer comes in and, you know, we're going to make a, some type of profit on it regardless. So accept it and, and let's get this squad kind of freshened up. Let's get some more ball playing center, uh, center backs in there. And Mike, I think this is really a good opportunity to, uh, you know, farewell Gary Cahill. Yeah, you know, it's tough um, as, as someone who played uh, center back for a, a big part of um, growing up, uh, especially as, an, you know, as I got older, um, I have I do love Gary. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it all depends on, I think, formation-wise and, you know, can Zuma come back and take that spot? You know, do we? is it worth holding on for another six months, maybe getting rid of him in the winter? Um, you know, does, does Jose want to replace Phil Jones with, you know, another ex-Chelsea player? Um, I don't know. I... It's it's a toss up. I, I can see us. I I could keep him another year, um, but I, but I do agree. If with a good, I think with a good offer, maybe maybe it's time to you know ship him out, make a new captain, um, try and move forward. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. I think I, I love Gary, and I, I think we we've all had um, really good discussion around him. He's a guy who has won everything. He's the youngest player to win everything. Uh, if you think about. Uh, his his trophy cabinet um, it, it will be tremendous uh, whenever he leaves the club I don't think there will be a space for him in the starting 11 next year and thus I think probably best for him to continue his playing career elsewhere uh, when he goes I know there are a lot of Cahill haters out there 
I would challenge you to look at yourselves and think about the contributions that he has made in a very Terry-esque fashion. Maybe not the vocal leader that Terry was when he was here, uh, but in terms of giving it all for the club, Gary has done a ton. And I would just encourage everyone when this happens um, at whatever point to uh, to reflect on a guy who is who's given everything. And I, I just want to say thank you to him. If it's this, if it is this summer, then um, best of luck. Yeah, Chelsea through and through for sure. All right, here we go. I think you guys are crazy. If you sell Cahill, the next two most experienced players are David Luiz and Fabregas, and both of them are on the chopping block. I think that if you lose Cahill, which I'm under no like crazy thought that he's going to play every single game next season, you lose the amount of experience. I don't like you're not really going to have a lot of leaders left on the team. You'll have a Dave and maybe a Rudiger, but those guys are still relatively inexperienced. To me, I think that Cahill still has utility even outside of the field like JT did in his last final seasons. But to me, I think that if we let Cahill go, and I know he's divisive and people hate him, I think you lose a lot off the pitch and in the locker room. And he's the one that can go with like merit and clout to the board, to the manager and be like, and kind of command that attention. I'm just worried that if if we don't have that and we go through another rough spell, I don't see too many guys on this roster that I'm looking at that can really pull the team out and, and kind of say, hey, pull your head out of your ass. This isn't good enough. Fabregas isn't going to do that. He's more when things are going well, things go well for him, right? A luxury player. And then David Luiz, again, I, I'm just worried that we might be selling off all, all of our experience and then we're in an inexperienced squad and I'm just not sure how they're going to be able to, to perform. I mean, I could be wrong, right? I just, I, that's my only concern about Cahill. The other thing is, A, are you going to actively shop around your your skipper, your captain in a World Cup summer? Because I don't think anyone's going to be coming in and saying, hey, uh, we want to buy your captain from you. The teams that are going to look to buy Cahill are the lower half of the Premier League teams who need experience and kind of need a solid center back or newly promoted teams. And I just think that that, uh, that dream died when Villa didn't get promoted and they could reunite Cahill and uh, JT at the, heart, at the heart of that defense. Um, but that's my well, kind of little rant and concern with losing Cahill. It's more about the experience and the leadership than anything. If we want experience, we should just talk to Villa and pull back JT, put him in a, you know, in an Eduardo-like position with the club. But I mean, it, here's the thing: is he going to want that? And and like you know, he he is someone who clearly enjoys playing. And so again, I think it goes back to whoever the new manager is. We have to understand. What is the role? It needs to be clearly communicated to the player. I think there are benefits to keeping Gary Cahill, but again, I think it's, does he want to stay and play potentially as a backup or a rotational player, um, which it does not seem like he likes to do, um, you know, even though he was kind of quiet about it. But, I mean, he's, he's talked about wanting to play and, you know, clearly enjoys playing at an international level. This is probably his last, you know, World Cup unless he, you know, continues some, you know, second kind of genesis of his career like John Terry had. I just generally think that like this is an opportunity to this is the year to revamp our squad and we have to make some pretty cold and calculated decisions to move forward. I again yeah. I let us know what you guys think. I'm just my my concern is losing all of our experienced players in one season. I think that we've seen that from other teams and that might be too much retooling, but again, always open to hear what people think. I think that this next one, it will be a lot easier for us to to just kind of go in on. Uh, Andreas Christensen, a 22-year-old Danish prince after this season. Uh, Nick, much, much easier discussion. Uh, probably a very unanimous um, vote on Twitter that we will, that we will replicate. Uh, correct. I think uh, in unison, um, uh, on the count of three, let's all say keep. One, two, three. Keep. 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 Great unison, guys. That was excellent. Um, Hey, hey, Nick, do you you want to call out the 2% of people who are clearly crazy uh, and decide to vote in our poll? Super greedy. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, Okay. Uh, Sell people. Give on Twitter, at London Blue Pod, give us your rationale. Uh, Not not because I just want to flame you intentionally, but I want to understand... 
what you didn't see in an, a tremendous, an overall tremendous season for Andreas Christensen. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be the only call out. Exactly. Uh, moving on, I, I don't think we need to. He's tremendous. I don't think we need to wax poetic on on a guy that we've waxed poetic on all year. He's the future. Uh, end of. Yep. Uh, I'm going to give you a, th- a 30 second. Uh, moment to just basically say that if you want to look at the way he played for Mönchengladbach where he wasn't prescribed the same way that we currently play right now which is that you as the central player are either distributing to the left and the right and playing the ball out where he was able to play forward more centrally um, and the way that he distributed the ball I think you're going to see a very different Christensen next season and I think it's going to be pretty special uh, if he is you know the first choice I mean obviously the Koulibaly rumors are back because we're doing business with you know De Laurentiis and with Napoli so there's that as well but I think he is the perfect type of center back to benefit from a change to a back four. And I think it's going to be pretty exceptional. So watch out for that. All right. The the one thing I want to add to this is that I think both Rudiger and uh, Christensen could deal with some time hanging out with Terry and maybe Ivanovic and learn how to head the ball uh, in the box because they had so many chances this year that went over the bar or were well wide. And I think that if the two of them can start you know, dropping a couple more goals. Um, I think that we'll, we'll really see um, what we did in previous years where, you know, we won the league because we had goals coming from that back four. All right. Well, That's the area of his game he needs improvement on, right? For sure. So, again, yeah, yeah. A unanimous keep on that standpoint. You know, young player with room to develop, which is fantastic because he's already at a high level. Uh, another unanimous one, Cesar Aspilicueta is all – Per, you know, intent and purposes, captain in waiting, as far as most of us are concerned. And again, the exact same numbers, 98% keep, 2% sell, copy, paste, explain why you would like to sell Cesar Spilicueta at this point. Um, you know, I, I would think that one maybe call it is uh, a little bit of a wobble this season compared to last is what I've seen on Twitter. Can we just go ahead and say the entire team wobbled this season compared to last? Uh, I don't think anyone really has any concerns um, and he sells versatility to play in a back three and a back four. Going to Spain in the World Cup squad, uh, again, um, you know, uh, 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 on three, we can unanimously say keep. We can try this again. One, two, three. Keep. Keep. Yeah. keep. Nailed keep. it. Yeah. All right, Great gents. job, guys. <laughs> I, I, here's the only thing I would say about Dave. One, I love him. Two, I think, like, as a pure defender in the Premier League, you are hard-pressed to find any better uh, and three, I'm a little worried about him as a pure right back. So, yeah, you know, like I, I think th- I think that would be the only thing that has a little bit of a worry for me. But overall, he'll figure it out. He's he's one of the best at what he does. Uh, definitely a, a captain candidate if Cahill leaves. Pretty interesting. Here we go with David Luiz. Really. Unfortunately, didn't see him all season. Uh, injuries, maybe conspiracies, whatever you want to take out of it. He did not <laughs> play a huge role this season after being the absolute key to the to the back three formation last season. So 31-year-old Brazilian, um, Mike, I think this is probably the tightest vote we have. Someone else at the same one, but people are completely split on David Luiz staying. Yeah, I mean, right now we're at a 51% keep and a 49% sell. So, you know, flip of a coin, right? Is that where you're at? I mean, which side of that coin flip do you land? I love Luis. Um, He's a player that I have looked towards um, both, you know, he very much was reminiscent of how I played the, the center back role. Uh, I think he's a great character for the team. Um, I would really like to know what his real injuries were because I still can't figure out what was wrong with him. Um, but if he's healthy and with a new manager, I, I'm, I'm keep him all the way. That, that's where I sit. Uh, he's a guy who is affable, who is a great locker room presence, who's funny. Uh, we've had the pleasure to interview him, uh, and I can tell you that you know, just being around him brightens your spirits. Uh, you know, if I, I don't think you could lose Cahill and Louise in an off season. Uh, so, you know, whoever, whichever one you want to keep out in the universe, just you know, I, I think you, you have to keep one of those guys just for locker room presence. But um, it, it will be very formation dependent. You know, he can only play 
um, in, in a couple of different spots. And I'm, I'm not sure, you know, if we're thinking about Zuma or Koulibaly or Rudiger, you know, Dave and Christensen as kind of our, you know, our, our center back stable that it's going to be hard for him to find game time. So I, I'm, I'm intrigued by this and I want to see how it plays out, Dan. He is a very good distributor of the ball. Uh, I think he has some of the the best range, um, you know, across our team. Never afraid to ping the ball forward. Uh, I think that's a pretty, uh, you know, well required skill set in the um, you know sorry ball or whatever you want to call it. And so I think there's some merit there which kind of gives him a little bit of the nod over a Cahill if you're going to keep one. But but again, it all comes down to game time. Um, I, what I will say is Cahill does seem to keep himself a little fitter than Louise uh, if we take out the conspiracy theory elements. Um, though Louise looked pretty healthy when we talked to him. So uh, <laughs> there's that as well. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I would be in the mind of keeping him. I, I, you're right. You have to keep one of the other between him and Cahill, and I would I would go with keeping Louise. It, what you know, we saw it once this season, um, but you know, the, throwing him at defensive mid, we'll get into this in part two. I'm just, I'm really kind of I, his range of passing from the back is great, but I always toy with the idea of David Luiz, Bakayoko, Kante midfield, uh, and letting David Luiz kind of be the deep lying uh, guy out of that tree and letting the other two run like crazy around him. But uh, I don't know if we're good to see it, guys. So, again. 51% keep, 49% sell, the tightest of margins. And like you guys said, it's so hard on a player like him who left Chelsea and came back. He is the most just gracious, humble person ever and knows that he works hard for the team when he gets the chance. So uh, that would be a hard one uh, when he does leave again. Lots of tears will be shed. So, uh, all right, the last one we have, Emerson, the 23-year-old Italian-Brazilian hybrid player. Um, didn't get to see a lot of him, I would say, Dan, but from Twitter, people are overwhelmingly in support of keeping him there. Yeah, 90% say keep, 6% say sell, 4% say loan. Again, Nick getting into that last little bucket there for That's one right. last troll. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, we, we kind of were you know, walking through this script before we recorded this episode, and I think Nick made the, a really great point that there's probably no better beneficiary right now of a change to a back four than Emerson. You know, he uh, played extremely well at Roma before his uh, his ACL injury. Um, and they kind of came back and had a pretty good reclamation uh, period as well. And I, I think looked sharp in his appearances and gives us that kind of cutting edge ball playing forward, you know, that you want to have. And yeah, I, I don't know. Like, Nick, I, I think he he's going to be a beneficiary. It's going to be exciting to watch. And I think he would be a, a first choice left back for us in a back four setup. I, I can't wait to see him unleashed. You know, I really, really am excited about his potential and, and someone who uh, I think has a lot to give. You know, he's certainly coming off an injury, so we have to be wary of that. And uh, hopefully uh, he, uh, he uses this offseason to... Uh, get himself ready um, for for a lot of uh, excitement next year. He's, he is a, a player who I, I rate highly, and in the limited experience he's had, looks like a, a real uh, real talent. So uh, thoughts, Mike? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. I'm I'm looking forward to the idea of having him in a position in which you know definitely have more defensive uh, aspects there, and and let's you know if Alonso's not here, let's get. Like let's get some wingers or someone else to bring some more offense or mid, you know, a more attacking midfielders and and play more defense from the back. Um, I think he's a great athlete and a baller, and I am definitely looking forward to seeing him get, you know, more than you know three games um, due to a red card. Yeah, he uh, he definitely didn't hurt himself at all this season, uh, at all. I think as we kind of look back on this, you know, there were some tight races, but for the most part, surprisingly, we actually agree with pretty much uh, our Twitter fan base here that have voted. So maybe a round of applause for Twitter for uh, you know really hey. not going too that crazy. Lone group. <laughs> Yeah. yeah th thank you for not being the uh, Liverpool fans who uh going after Carius at the uh end of the Champions League match. 
You guys are great. Uh, well, thankfully, we didn't have any of these players blow. Well, maybe Kurt. Anyways, that's going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, <laughs> let us know what you think on these players for sure. Again, this is just to get the conversation started. Uh, it's going to be a long summer for us American fans as I don't talk about the fact that we don't have a World Cup spot. But again, uh, part two will be coming very soon where we go through the midfielders slash attackers. Uh, probably even more controversy there because, well, our defense is pretty rock solid compared to our attack. I think there's going to be a lot more changes happening in that side of the pitch. So uh, we really appreciate you guys listening. And again, we will be back with part two right after this one. Uh, so until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop, Make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.